it's either the Wi-Fi here or it's my phone. I don't know. Okay, good morning, gentlemen. We are on the top of Yud Amad Aleph 10a, Taner Abanan, and uh, we just had a huge debate about how rain works. Does it primarily come from the ocean, or is it primarily come from above? Uh, from a, uh, comes from the heavens, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, so, <laughs> we rabbis taught, Eretz Yisrael Nibet Now the Gemara mentions that Eretz Yisrael has certain advantages over the rest of the world. So it says that it was created first. If you look on the, the map of like the globe, Eretz Yisrael is like right in the middle. It was created first, and then the rest of the world developed around it. Shnemar, Adlo, Yas, Eretz Number two, Eretz Yisrael Mashka Osa Kodesh Baruch We get water straight from the boss, from Hashem. Bekolam Kulu Aidei Shliach, and the rest of the world through a messenger. Shenamar, it says, and Nosin Mata Apnei Eretz Shliach Maim Apnei Chutzas. Eretz Yisrael Shoshamegeshamim. Eretz Yisrael gets water from rain. Bekolam Kulu Mitamsis. They get rain from the spillover. It's not the direct rain. It's uh, what's left. It goes first. They go next. Mushal, for example, if a person makes cheese, he takes the thick part of the cheese and he leaves what's left. So Eretz Yisrael is the best of what's in the world. Everything else is what's less, what's left. Um, Amar Mar, That's a new question. So we just had uh, uh, several uh, advantages Eretz Yisrael has over the rest of the world. Again, you could go into what each one, the deeper meaning of each one, but it's a basic concept that Eretz Yisrael was given uh, priority, was first, as far as the way it works. It comes straight from Hashem. So we quoted earlier that the clouds desalinate. They take the salt out of the, the water from the ocean. So Omar Marmam, he came above it, Manole. How does he know that from? Where do you see that that's in the psukim? If that's the, what clouds do is that they purify the waters, uh, there should be a hint of that in the psukim. If you darshan that, and it's a, a little bit of an unusual method of darshaning, where you take the chaf, the shari aresh, you take the uh, uh, the word shkakim and you put the chaf on top of the resh, the koribe hekshartha. In other words, you could in- interpret it to mean that the clouds desalinate. They make it kosher. They make the water. They purify the water. So it's not far-fetched, meaning to you see that if you use that method of drasha, which is one of the methods, then you're able to see that that's one of the uses of the clouds. Rabbi Yeshua, Bahani Kra Maidosho. Rabbi Yeshua, what does he do with those psukim? Like Rabbi Dimi explained, Amri Ben Rabbi, they say in Eretz Yisrael, if it's uh, thin clouds, so Zirin Mo, you only get a little bit of rain. Chashak Eneni, thick clouds, Sogin Mo, you get a lot more rain. The upper clouds uh, came into being with Hashem, saying, And the fruits of these clouds is the rain. Come on, that's like Rabbi Yeshua, who says that the rain comes from above. 
Ah, what does Rebbe Lazar do with that? That's referring to uh, what Hashem created. That's not usually how it works. The rest of the world comes from the spillover uh, from Eretz Yisrael. Uh, I'm sorry, I, this, this is a different teaching. He's saying that the rest of the world gets the water from what's left over from the river in Aden. It mentions the river comes out of there. That's uh, the, the, the leftovers of the waters of Gan Eden. Uh, the idea is that the world was really created ultimately to serve Hashem. The, place, the real place of service is Gan Eden. So the waters that, that nourish us in this world actually come from Gan Eden. John Rabban and our rabbis taught Eretz Mitzrayim, the land of Egypt, Dalameis Parsa, Dalameis Parsa, it's 400 Parsa by 400 Parsa. Who echem a shishim but it's nowhere as big as Africa. And Makush echem a shishim olam, and that's nowhere, that's only a 60th of the world. Va olam echem a shishim Ganadin, that's only a 6th of Ganadin. The Ganadin echem a shishim that the Gan is smaller than Aden. The Aden echem a shishim le Gehenim, the biggest thing is Gehenim. Um, the whole world is only like the lid of a pot to Gehenim. Uh, it's because throughout much of history, unfortunately, a lot of mankind ends up there. So it has to be pretty big. They need space, yeah. It's unlimited. Uh, heaven is also no, no amount. How, why is it that Bovel has so much grain? Because it dwells on big waters. The wealth of Bovel comes because the land is moist without rain. In other words, it's a, uh, it's, it's, uh, the land itself is, is in, a, in a wet plain, so to speak. It, it has moisture in it. Um, He's saying uh, it's, a, uh, it's a place that's wet. Above all, the land is wet. It's a marshy kind of land. Below Yushani, it's not a dried out kind of place. In certain places that are, uh, the lands themselves are moist and wet, and there are other places that are dried out. Okay, let's see the Mishnah. We start saying the saying, Talamotelivracha. On the third of Mark Hashem, Gamliel says, B'shivabo, on the seventh, which is Tesvav Yom Achachag. That's 15 days after Sukkot. Why so long? In order that the people that came from far off to make to be Ololaregel, they need two weeks to get home. 15 days, they need time to get home. So we don't ask for rain until most of the travelers have made it back home. So again, there were multiple opinions, so we, he said that Allah is like Gamliel on the seventh. Tanya Kanani Omer Begola. Now, outside Eretz Yisrael, when do we ask for rain? It's a different cheshman. So he said, Ad Shishim Bitkufa. You wait until uh, the 60th of the equinox. Yeah. 60s, that's where uh, Rashi said. Okay. 60 days of the equinox. 60 days after, after, after the solstice. No, the, the, not, no okay. it's not solstice. Solstice is winter and summer. What's the equinox again? The equinox is when the sun is over the equator. Uh-huh. So that's the beginning of spring and the beginning of fall. I see. Uh-huh. That's what it means. Equinox means equal night. 
Oh, okay. It's on the ends of the, it's on the, ends of the elliptical orbit. This middle is when the sun is directly on the equator, the when the wood chopper brings the wood into the um, into his storehouse, and that implies that it wasn't on the uh, uh, the um, uh, it wasn't on Marcheshvan. It's when the woodchopper is. So they, in other words, the, he gave them a um, a way to tell is that when they used to bring the wood in that it was uh, the uh, it was starting to get wet, and so they would discontinue bringing the wood in. So that's a different. Uh, the assumption is that's a different day. So Morris says no, maybe not. Maybe he used to bring the the wood in exactly at the. Uh, same time when we start asking for rain. Uh, so we said it was 60 days after the equinox. So how does day 60 work? Is day 60 before the 60? Or after the 60? Is it after the 60th or on the 60th? It's, it's after. Once he hits 60, then you ask. says, no, it's before. So two opinions. If you want to remember... So Menacha Eloi Boy Maya, the beforehand you asked for water, Tasoi Lo Boy Maya, they're not the bottom one. Yes, before you're not after their two opinions. We hold that it's like after the sixtieth, and then you could begin asking on the sixtieth day. Okay. What happens if you reach the seventeenth of Marchesh and still no rain? So individuals, private people need to start fasting to beseech Hashem, it's getting serious here, that it didn't rain. Now they fast a series of three fasts. Now these fasts, they're allowed to eat at night. It's not 24-hour uh, 24 fast. They're allowed to work. To wear leather shoes, and family rations. But what happens if they reach Kislev and still no rain? Then Beisdin goes and shows Tanishad Sibor. Then Beisdin makes the three fasts, not on individuals, but everybody. Ochlava shows, but also these are not 24 hour fasts. They can still eat after dark. So now we're beginning the process of the formal fast days, which they would fast if they looked like the rain wasn't coming. So, Manichidim, who are those private people? So, Omar Revuna Rabbanin. He means the Rabbana, the Torah scholars, they're the ones that start fasting even before it's on the Tzibor. Um, Rav Huna taught that these individuals fast three. Fast, Monday, Thursday, Monday. My well, What's that coming to teach you? That, um, that What did Rav Huna have to add? Tanina, we learned, Ain goes in Tana Tzibor, we don't usually start fast days on Thursday. Why? Because people buy more on Shabbos, and after a fast, they buy more for the breakfast. And when people see that everybody's coming shopping on Thursday, they're going to raise the prices. So uh, we don't typically start on a Thursday. The first three days of the cycle are always Monday, Thursday, Monday. 
So basically, if that was learned already, why did Ravuna? What did Ravuna add his two cents in that it's Monday, Thursday, Monday? Of course. So maybe, maybe if you realize the fact, it's a situation that's dire, you do anything that's possible regardless. Oh, that's so. Uh, Mor gives a different answer. That's a good point. But he says we're talking here at the very beginning. So he says Maybe you can't you can't start on a Thursday with the seaboard because if the old seaboard is going to be shopping at the same time, then you're going to risk raising the prices. But maybe these are only a small amount of people. Kamash that they also wait for Thursday to start uh, the fast uh, in order not to mess up the prices. You know, the problem is so good. Why, why, if it's such a individuals, why would it affect the prices anyway? Right, right. So that's so Maybe we just want to have the same method, the same, uh, keep the same, you know, Monday, Thursday, Monday cycle. Let's do that, Rashi, uh, four line, five lines from the bottom. Uh, we don't start fast days on Thursday, not to mess with the prices. If we would start fast days on the fifth day of the week, everybody's going to go shopping right after the end of the fast day to get fresh food. Two big meals. They're going to, they'll be the shoppers for the breakfast. And they'll also be shopping for Shabbos. And the sellers, they're going to think, oh, that there, there's, a, there's a fast coming. There's, there's a famine. They're going to raise the prices. And one of the jobs of the community is to keep, uh, protect the individuals from high prices. Not allow things to be artificially raised high because it affects the market stable. Keep the market stable, that's right. Okay, back to the Gemara. Tanya Nami Hachi, two lines to the bottom. Also, when individuals start fasting, they do the Monday, Thursday, Monday thing. Now, if they run into Rosh Chodesh, you don't fast on Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is a minor holiday. Or if you run into one of the other minor holidays that are written in Megillus Tainus, like Hanukkah, you don't uh, do a, you you uh, interrupt your Monday, Thursday, Monday. Um, a person shouldn't say, uh, "I'm just a student. I'm not a scholar." Who am I to be considered an important person to fast? I'm just a student. So first of all, scholars are called Tamir Chachamim. Being a student is not an insult. That's a compliment. We view scholars, very learned people, are called Tamir Chachamim. They're students of wisdom. So uh, even though we encourage humility, all, as long as you learn Torah, you're a scholar. You're considered an individual who could fast. Ezu yachid ve'ezet talmud. What's considered a yachid, a special person, and what's a student? Yachid kol shuroi l'mnosim parnasal l'tzibur. He's somebody who's totally trustworthy, and you can appoint them uh, uh, to be in charge of things for the community. A talmud, whereas a, um, a person who's a scholar, kol shishonos adavar lacha bilimudo. Uh, you can ask him anything in learning. He even knows the small ones. There's a bunch of small Masectas called Masectas Kalos. He even knows them. So if he knows them, then he's, uh, uh, that, that's, uh, he's worthy of being a Talmud. You can't automatically declare yourself that I'm one of those special people. 
Talmud Osa, Divei Ritmeir. I read that. Kola Rosa Lasa Asma Yachid. Lo Kola Rosa Lasa Asma Yachid Osa. Not everybody can be a Yachid, but a Talmud, you could. Divei Ritmeir. Riyosi says, Osa, you could consider yourself, you can, you can consider yourself one of the elite scholars. Bezach Latov. And uh, we don't say you're a Balgaiva. How dare you consider yourself one of the scholars? Zafisha ain't shvachulo. Because this doesn't benefit you. It's not like you declare yourself a rabbi and you get a discount. Elitzarhulo. You're signing up for the fast day club. So you want to sign up for the fast day club and say, well, I study Torah. Fine. There's no, there's no perks. It's interesting because a lot of times the Torah talks about being hobby in the sense of taking on Kumaras that you shouldn't take on. Right. This to be with the, from those that fast because it looks like the, it's going to be a a, uh, a drought and the people will starve. That we let you join that club very easily. Mm-hmm. You can't normally consider yourself a scholar. Talmud Osa, but a, a, a student you could. Rav Shimon Ben Elazar. Rav Shimon Gamliel says That's if you want to join the ranks of a scholar for some kind of benefit. But you want to do something that's a pain, Osa, go right ahead, Bizakulatov, and we don't have anything bad to say. Shane Shvachulo, it's not a, it's not a uh, it's not to join the fast club, we let you do that, Olitzarhulo. That's not Tanya Idach. Um I don't know. Maybe that would be different attribution, Yeah. Um also seems to be a Girsa question. Okay. Let's see. Uh, there is a Rashi. Let's just do the... It's the short Rashi there, about uh, uh, 10 lines down. Rabbi Yossi says, Kol Adam, Vafilush Enu Talmud, even if you're not really a scholar, Osa Atzma Yaki, you can make yourself an individualistanos to be a faster. It's not arrogant. Lishnachrina Garcia, Loko Rotsa Lasas Atzma Yaki, Osa Talmud Osa Klomar. Velo Kolorotsa Nami Lasas Atzma Talmud Lasnag Imo Baminis Talmud. You can't necessarily act like a Talmud Bechaluko to put on the rabbinic clothing of Mibitaso and your bed, Lisanos Beseder Shel Tamid Chachamim, and to uh, make yourself handsome like the other scholars. Bishar Dvarim, but other things you could do. Bechaluko Rotsa Shame. Apparently there was a certain clothing thing. I don't know what it means to be Mibitaso. What? Yeah. But I don't know what the bed thing was, but uh, anyway, okay. Back to Gemar. What happens if you're davening because of a tzara, something that's going to be a pain, and it passes? You're davening for a sick person, and he gets better. So you started a Monday, Thursday, Monday, and after Monday he gets better. You should finish what you accepted to do. <laughs> right, that's right. Keep it going. That's right. Very good. That's a good analogy. What happens if you're traveling from a city that was not fasting and you come to a city where everybody's fasting? You went in Rome. Uh, you fast like Rome. What happens if your city they're fasting and you go to a city where they're not? So you're stuck. You already agreed to do it. You've got to finish. So what happens if you forgot that it was supposed to be a fast day and you ate and you drank? 
So Al Yisroi Bivnei You shouldn't uh, show off in front of the community that uh, you've eaten and drunk. And you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have luxuries, even though you're not fasting. Where do you see that from? So it's next week's Parshish. Remember, it says, Yaakov, Yaakov said to his sons, Why should you show yourselves off in a bad way? Don't show like you're satisfied, you've got plenty of food. And not in front of the descendants of Esau. That you shouldn't, they shouldn't be jealous of you. It's interesting. Yaakovina was definitely aware of what jealousy could do. He said, even though they still had food, they should go down to Egypt to get more because you don't want to act different. You don't want to create a jealousy. Yeah. I was sorry. Someone accidentally ate and they were fascinated. They need to continue not to eat after that. But this seems to show otherwise. It seems to say, oh, well, we we accidentally ate. Now. Now you're going to continue eat. It sounds like you broke the fast, nothing you can do about it now. That is what it's saying. Yeah, look yeah, in Rashi. Like, like I ate a little bit. So you know what? Let me, <laughs> might as well, I'm not going to get credit for the fast anyways. Might as well uh, go all the way. Right. So, um, you're asking what? It seems to show that, that once you've broken the fast, don't, don't bother fasting anymore. Just don't be conspicuous about it. But it doesn't say, otherwise it would have said, just, okay, you, you forgot? Okay, well, don't eat anymore going forward. Oh. It didn't say that. So this is a voluntary thing. Well, yeah. Don't be conspicuous about it. Okay, you're eight, so you're going to continue You're asking anymore. great questions today. I, I admit that. You're, you're on the mark. I, I have to think about it. Okay. Uh, so now, more once we're on the subject of the um, the things to be careful of that are listed in the Chumash, so one of the things listed was that Yosef told the brothers, do not get angry, uh, don't get into an argument when you travel. No, I think it was Yosef. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, what exactly was he warning them from doing? Don't study halacha because things that when the scholars get involved in halacha, they get preoccupied, and uh, you'll uh, you won't be. You have to pay attention when you travel to to do things in a, in a safe way. And it's better not to. My Rebbe used to say, "Don't look Gemara when you're driving." He didn't think it was a good idea. <laughs> was, was a, uh, you got to f- pay attention to what you're doing. Um, I see people, you know, studying or davening while they're walking on the sidewalk. I see all the time. <laughs> right. So um, it could be that's not uh, not. Uh, it's not about driving on the road. It could be the sidewalk is relatively safe. Hopefully. Uh, so some people say, why specifically now was he warning them? Because they had Paskin that Yosef was a Rodif and that they were allowed to kill him. And now they realized they were wrong. And so they would now probably go back and play, play, uh, play the blame game. It was your fault. You were the one who said X, Y, Z, and you were the one, and it could get quite heated that they should be upset with each other for what happened. So therefore he said, no, don't talk about that on the way home. That was the, that's the way many people want to learn. It's not so. 
when Tamida Chachamim are traveling together, Roy Lisarif, they should be burnt if they don't learn Torah together. So what's he saying? Don't learn Torah. Where do you see that from? You see that from Elio and Elisha. It says, uh, They were going on the way, uh, and they spoke. There were chariots of fire and horses of fire, separating the two. So since they spoke words of Torah, they weren't burnt by the fire. Time in Ikadibur. But if there was no words of Torah, then they would deserve to be burnt. So you see that you better speak Torah when you're traveling. So is it dangerous to speak Torah or not? So the more answer is lokasha. Learn Torah on the way back, of course. But to get involved in depth where you're not paying attention, that you don't do. Uh, the word migris means like to really be focused. Um, now, there's a fascinating Rashi. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to review it. Eliyune is just in depth. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. There's Rashi here with the fire. Rashi, Lishraf Eish, Dixiv, Vinei Suse Eish, Vikasa Buhunyana, Holok Vadibur. And it says that they were talking about if they weren't talking about the depth of halacha, they wouldn't have been saved. So the Gemara's answer is that they were talking in, in Torah, but they weren't, um, uh, they, weren't um, over, they weren't getting involved in the complicated stuff, uh, Ian. If they were doing Ian, then they weren't paying attention to the route. Now, before we go weiter, I have to do Tosus. I don't know why I have to, but I'll just, we've Tosus said it, so I guess I have to tell you. It's the, the fourth Tosif from the bottom. That uh, they were speaking Dvarim Betelim, uh, Eliyahu and Elisha. And that's why they, the, uh, the fiery angels were getting ready to burn them. They were. Saying, not just not saying horribly, <laughs> it's doing much yeah, but but I hate to say that Eliyahu and Elisha were saying the were saying Devar and Betelim, They were just you know just schmoozing. Yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a difficult tosis, but yeah. uh, but anyway, I had to show you the medrash. Okay, back to the Gemara. But Masni in the Mishnah we learn Another thing, you shouldn't take big steps. Usually, this is meant to be. Don't be in too much of a hurry. People rush. They skip things. They miss things. So don't take big steps. And you should discontinue traveling while it's still daylight. Don't come into a city at night. Come into the city while the sun is still up. Why shouldn't you take big steps? That big steps take away one five hundredth of your eyesight. So again, some people learn it's literally your, your eyesight, and some people learn it's your vision. When people rush, they don't see things. They, uh, and that's why Shabbos brings back your eyesight because then you relax, so you have time to uh, to gain your vision back. You know, some people uh, they were in so much of a rush that they forget things because they're, they're always they're always in a hurry. So that's what it means. Don't take a psiagasa. There's a certain normal step, and then there's a big step. With big steps, you've got to wash out that you're missing stuff. Why is that? 
a person should always leave, and not before dark, after dark, and enter the city while it's still light. They left first, once it got light, they left. But don't leave in the dark. So what's wrong in traveling at night? There's a Rashi here. It's on the last in lines, about six lines up. Rashi says, You should come at night. Why? There's still light. Why? Answer number one, there's less crooks. In the old days when it was dark, uh, these days too, that's why you have street lights and things. If it's dark, then the robbers are, could be lurking in the shadows. Uh, but if there's light, it's safer. That's number one. Inami You might fall into a pit. Ubekoyim or a ditch. In other words, the, uh, uh, if you're traveling in dark, you can't see things. It's harder to see uh, where you're going, uh, and you, it's more dangerous that you could uh, if you travel in the dark. And number three, sure, you love Alilos. People shouldn't say rumors about you. Miraculata, you're a spy. Ogana, for a crook. If you're traveling in the middle of the night, like people, where, who's, what's this guy doing? Where's he coming from? Like he's. Who, so those are three reasons it's given. So I guess the nafkamina would be if these reasons don't apply. Like, you know, if your car has lights on it, if you know where you're going, it's not dangerous. You know, you have to kind of know uh, if those reasons apply or not. If you're traveling, don't eat big meals. You should eat what people eat during years of famine. Uh, in other words, a minimum. Eat minimum, minimally when you travel. My time, what's the reason? So, he says the reason is um, a person uh, shouldn't uh, mess up their stomach. Um, that uh, when you eat a big meal and you travel, it's like eating a big meal and going swimming. It's like not good for you to, to eat, uh, eat a big meal before you travel. Marav and Eretz Yisrael, they said for a different reason. Um, he said maybe... Um, they won't have food afterwards. What does that mean? Um, on the way and they won't have supplies. So you should... Oh, he's saying that you shouldn't eat up all your food. In other words, if a person is traveling, you should eat small, meaning you should save for later. Because you might end up going somewhere where there's no... All the Jewish mothers know this. They make you carry food when you travel. That, uh, you know, they don't want you to starve when you travel. Uh, you, you may not find food later, so you should eat minimally your provisions, leaving over a lot for the way, because you never know what will be needed. So, it's, again, two different explanations. Either it's not good for the digestion to eat big meals, or, practically speaking, save over food, because you might need it. My benaya, what would the difference be? And we'll find out uh, tomorrow.